Hello and welcome to What is Going On Anyway with me, your host, Anne Headley, where I try to make sense of the future and the now and the past all together using the I Ching and other of my favorite forms of divination to reach into the invisible divine, the unknown knower through two week periods of time following the new and full moon cycles. I like to let you know what the weather is like here as I do this recording because it's different every time. And today is a bright April morning, but it's cold and we haven't really gotten any one of those beautiful spring days yet that makes you just want to sit and soak up the sun. I'm really looking forward to that happening for us and it hasn't happened yet. And uh, last episode, uh, we were talking about this emergent spring and this emergent possibility of a new era, maybe a new way of people relating to each other. And there was all of this hope and promise and that felt good for about a week. And then this second half has felt like a bit of a slog, a bit of a waiting game for spring to arrive. And um, today the wind is blowing in such a way that it's making a howling sound outside the windows. And it doesn't have that quality of that winterish howling sound, but it's enough to make me think twice about sitting outside and having my tea outside, which I'm so looking forward to having my morning tea in the sun before the bugs arrive. And that gives me this feeling around looking at time in two week cycles is kind of interesting to me because it gives me the chance to feel all the way through a thing when I break it up into weeks, it feels really different to me. Do you know what I mean? Like in a, a week, there's this feeling, this kind of pressure, and it feels very um, production oriented. It feels like the way I used to feel in school where we had certain things to cover and it was, there's this squeezing pressure around uh, a cycle that's a, that's a week cycle that I guess just doesn't work for me. So as I've been doing these episodes and feeling my way, really feeling what does two weeks feel like, there's a real sense of expansion for me where I can feel the beginning, middle, and end of a, a period of time, a cycle. So I just want to say I'm really enjoying that, even though this part of the cycle feels really hard and stretchy and like I'm waiting for that next thing that I'm hoping for. Meanwhile, I can feel myself storing up enthusiasm for this change in the weather that's promised by the season. So this coming up full moon, this is a full pink moon in Libra. I happen to have a, in my birth chart, my moon is in Libra, so I'm very curious about this full moon and what it might feel like and bring. I always turn to astrology when I think about moons and what's to come. I like to look at what's happening in the sky too. We've got this full moon coming up. The interesting part of this full pink moon in Libra is that the sun. Okay, but just for a second, let's just think about a full moon. And when the moon is full, it's exactly in the opposite relationship to the sun, which is really beautiful because as soon as the sun sets, the moon is rising on the eastern horizon. And so you can see that symmetry. It, just standing outside, you can feel that symmetry. And the moon is fully reflecting the sun. And this week, the sun will be next to Chiron. And Chiron is very interesting to me particularly 
because I feel that sense of what it is to be a wounded healer. And the story of Chiron is Chiron was a healer and then became wounded and couldn't heal himself. Isn't that an interesting story? And in that perpetual woundedness, there is another kind of healing that's different than fixing something that's broken. And I find myself in that place right now of learning to live with the brokenness inside me. And this full moon that's coming up this week, it's Wednesday night into Thursday. So the full moon comes into the sky and it lights up that night. So it lights up the darkness for us. And this particular full moon is across from the sun in Aries. And at that time, Aries is conjunct Chiron, which is the wounded healer. So as we go through this full moon, that full moon is reflecting the sun conjunct Chiron and Aries. That doesn't have to mean anything to you. I'm just pulling that together for me to draw my thoughts around that idea of the moon lighting up the darkest time for us with the inspiration of the wounded healer. So I'm just throwing that out there because we've been looking at, we, I've been looking at what is it to live with our wounds and instead of hiding them or covering them up or repressing them even further, but what is it to live with them? And that really is the essence of the wounded healer, this healer that can't mm, make the wound go away, this constant bleeding. And that's kind of how it is to become friendly with our with our woundedness so we want to ask the question what is this thing that hurts us what is our weeping wound so this beautiful bright full moon is bringing light to our darkest places and the conjunction where the sun is conjunct the wounded healer Chiron is what's being reflected by that moon. That's our wisdom. And our wisdom is that relief we feel when we're harmonizing with life as it is. The acceptance that our pains also create forms in us that hold beauty. In fact, that we are being sculpted by our difficult life experiences. I've recently been helping my neighbor who is in her early 80s with some internet and computer issues. Um, my mother, who's also in her 80s, keeps telling me that this really could be one of my professional callings because I have a lot of patience doing this sort of slow explaining of 
how computers work. <laughs> At least I do this with my mother like many of us do. And I don't know that this is really my calling, but I've been enjoying helping my neighbor with this. And she really wants to understand how a router works. Um, she wants to draw a diagram of it and take notes and understand it in a way like we might have 50 years ago taking a class on something, really studying it. And it's as if she's sure that everything will click if she can just understand how a router works, that she'll understand everything else. Uh, her passwords will come more easily to her and everything will be probably a little bit more intuitive. I'm guessing. But after about the third time explaining, something occurred to me about the way we really learn something. And I wanted to ask more questions. I wanted to know what is she wondering about that doesn't have anything to do with the router? Was there a way to bypass the typical or the habitual way of thinking that we know how to learn about a thing. I asked her to consider what her real question is. And I know, you know, we all have real questions. What is this all about? What's going on anyway? But really, what is the question? Because I don't really think it's about how the internet is going wirelessly to her phone. I don't think it's about that function. Maybe it is. But to me, somehow this relates to the wounded healer. I often want to break everything down and understand my wounds. Why was I hurt this way? Why do I ruminate over these issues? Why do I have abandonment and rejection issues again and again? And of course, that's good fodder for therapy sessions. But really what I'm wondering is maybe it's more helpful to me to ask some questions around the wounding rather than trying to figure out in each specific circumstance why exactly I was wounded in exactly that way. Maybe a better question would be, what am I wanting to feel instead of rejected and abandoned? <laughs> I mean, and I don't want to cover it up or suppress it. I mean, what am I really looking for as I'm trying to investigate the whys of my woundings? What am I wanting? Like, where in my life am I feeling supported and accepted and seen? And can I lean into those places a little bit more? Maybe it's not so much about knowing the function of my dysfunction, but letting that be the way it is. I see, I want to say to my neighbor, the router just works. You don't have to know why or how it just, it just works. And now what are the deeper questions around getting your phone to talk to your computer and what would you like to have access to and how can I help you research things online and, um, get services and watch movies and listen to music. Those are the questions that are more interesting for me to help her solve than finding out technically how a router works. And I think that maybe that's the same issues with me and my wounding. You know, like with my divorce, I keep wanting to sort of go back in time and rework just exactly how this happened and this went down and it's really not about any of that at all. It's ways that I'm trying to attend to my hurting and to my healing. So I've been thinking about healing and I'm back to the story of the wounded healer. 
I spent so many years learning, trying to investigate what could I do to stay safe. So as a younger person, I was interested in all sorts of ways to protect myself from pain, which happened anyway. It was almost as if I thought it was some kind of luck. Take this jade bracelet. It will protect you. Recite this mantra. It will guide you. Eat this supplement. It will enliven you. Watch out for energy suckers. They will destroy you. All well-meaning advice. Notes from travelers on the same path. Did anyone tell me to become friends with myself? I'm scanning back. Maybe? I remember, let go. Don't cling tightly to what you want. Don't get a big ego about what you're good at. Don't get pregnant. Don't talk about sex. I think I was warned against trusting myself. If you don't stay vigilant, left to your own devices, you wouldn't even get up if you didn't have to. I was warned so many times that I had a big ego. I didn't know what that meant. Was I going to be mean to people and not realize it because my head was so big I could no longer see? Would I make bad choices? Was I doomed to make bad choices? Would I be unsafe? And I have to ask, would these people who are giving me this well-meaning advice, was me feeling I was safe in myself threatening the order of things? Because turning toward myself now means safety. And that critical voice, mm, sounds like kind of like a mimicking toddler. You'll never make anything of yourself. You'll never be taken seriously unless you're perfect. You're clearly not perfect. Good luck with that. Ha, I knew you'd never do it. You are so lazy. You have no discipline. You can't even handle your simple life. What makes you think you could handle the life you dream of? I wish someone, some many ones, told me again and again to become best friends, lovers, and partners with myself. And that together, myself and me, would dispel that bully and bring her into our circle and laugh and play and dance and create and really savor being alive together. I mean, didn't we come here to enjoy this, to play? So now, when I get the chance, I tell the young ones. I try to make that old language shift so that new maps, new guides are there when the old ancestral pain comes knocking. It's like the familial and societal patterns are the walking dead. No wonder zombie movies, that theme is so popular. All those old family patterns waking up and seeming like they're alive. They're not so easy to kill after all, huh? It takes a good team and a whole lot of power. So what I know is language matters. The way we speak to ourselves matters. And it's not silly. And sometimes we have to pretend a whole lot until we can change internal patterns of self-talk. So speaking of self-talk, we're going to have the sex talk. I mean, I think we're going to need to talk about sex. So this is your warning. I'll start off by saying, if you don't know already, I am an Instagram scroller. That's sort of my secret pleasure. Like, everybody just leave me alone to scroll for a minute. And I, I had to laugh the other day because while 
I haven't had a cigarette in decades. I do remember the feeling of just wanting to take a minute and sit outside and smoke. And I'm, I know that has a lot to do with being addicted to nicotine and all of that. But do you remember? Maybe you don't. But if you've ever had that feeling of just um, an addiction to something, and I'm not saying Instagram is an addiction. I'm just saying it feels that. It feels similar to me. Like I wanted to smoke. Like I did something with everyone, meaning all the boys and Jason. And I was just like done being with everybody. And I just wanted to lay down on the couch and scroll Instagram for like three minutes. I just wanted a break. <laughs> and uh, I said, um, I just want to go lay down and look at my phone. And maybe it was just a way of taking a break without having to get real with myself about my level of energy at the moment and how much I was giving and what I, receiving, I was receiving and all those things in the moment that are hard to manage, especially as I'm understanding my boundaries. How am I feeling? Why am I interacting this way? Am I doing what I want and need to do? Or am I doing what I think others want and need me to be doing? And that's a boundary conversation I have with myself a lot. And I am in a relationship with three children in my life. And I have a, an ex that I co-parent with. And I've got very close neighbors and friends. And I have a lot of opportunities to consider my boundaries. I guess, of course, most people do. Sometimes I find it's just too painful to be upfront with myself. It's too painful for me to be honest with myself and deal with the ramifications or what I imagine the ramifications of being honest in the moment are. And I find myself bargaining and saying, it's fine, I'll just do it. And then I can get back to my writing. Or sometimes I think everyone will think I've gone mad if I start advocating for my desire now, instead of whatever it could be, whatever I think I need to do in the moment. And my desire often is to work on my creative pieces, to have some quiet time and to let inspiration bubble up and to finish some long started projects or finally sit with them long enough to decide to let them go. And I think that sort of work has to be done when I'm absolutely not on anyone else's clock. When the kids don't need anything, my partner's not neglected, my dog is happy, my friends are all texted, all those things that make me feel safe in the nearest people circles in my life. Everyone's okay, and then I can attend to my creativity. So let me just move back to Instagram for a second. <laughs> I love that I can follow a basket maker and then be inspired by a dried dandelion cordage basket and that I can follow a ceramicist and see beautiful work and follow my favorite therapists and get more boundary advice. And part of what flows through my feed are all these entrepreneurs who will fix and solve and coach my way to happiness and wealth and launching courses and products. And really I'm intrigued. And I can get all like, yes, I will make money. Yes, I will become successful and make six figures. And it's all so catchy. But then I get back to my own space and my own business. And I'm like, nope, that's not for me. I've got to find some other way through this sludge of worthiness. I can't just decide and that's it. I'm recently feeling pretty mad about this. What is it anyway? Why am I plagued by this, kind, this sludge of unworthiness? And why can't I just have a better relationship with money? And I started to link this connection between my sex story and my money story. And one of the things that I learned through my Instagram entrepreneurial money people is that everyone has a money story and it has to do with the way your parents thought about money and 
the way your grandparents thought about money. And part of my money story has been connected to my codependence and my need to be a caretaker for other people. And I always thought that those things weren't work that I would get paid for. So it decreased my sense of worthiness and ability to straight up just ask for money because so many of the things that I, of my marketable skills are also freely given things. That's all we need to know right now. But I made this connection between my money story and my sex story. And I know that they're related, money and sex and, and second chakra issues, but I wasn't understanding how specifically that relates to me and my struggles exactly. And like, this is too much information. This is why it's the sex talk. But let me see if I can bring it to some clarity for myself <laughs> anyway. I just started to see how the way it's hard for me to have money conversations in general and specifically the way it's hard for me to advocate for myself when it comes to asking for money is very similar to my sex story where it's very easy for me to go into maybe more of a caretaking role or a pleasing role and it's much more difficult for me to ask for what I want and not even just ask for what I want like I know what I want and I'm just haven't had the chance to speak up for it yet but I mean actually spend the time to sit with my desire and even know what I want so like my current lovely wonderful partner and I recently did the bow chicka bow bow and we do this game of consent thing and this is something that I think you should look into if you're interested in it and it's it's bettymartin.org it's really beautiful she explains the wheel of consent which includes serve take allow and accept and all of these things as they are balanced create the wheel of consent and she will walk you through the three-minute game basically the three-minute game is set a timer for three minutes and take turns and for three minutes you specifically ask for what you want and your partner gives you what you want and then the timer goes off and then you trade and um, I just you can start really small is all I'm saying. I don't really want to go into details here, but you can start small and just practice like how difficult it is to be very specific about what you want and ask for it. So for me, when this game comes up, it's really, really easy for me to um, not only perform whatever is wanted during that three minutes, but I can also suggest like you might like this and you might like this. And so I, try to hold back from doing that and just really stick with being a giver and being a receiver. And it's very interesting, but when it really comes down to my desire, it's incredibly difficult for me to ask for what I want. And what I'll do is I'll ask for what I think is reasonable. <laughs> and here's my partner who wants to please me only needs me to tell him what I want and even then even there I'm asking based on what I think I can get I'm assessing and judging the situation and I'm not really looking at my desire square in the face and I have to say when I look at that next to my money story that's the same thing somehow I'm going into relationships that have a money base to them and I'm not asking for what I want. I'm asking for what I think I can get. What do I think is reasonable? So that's just a really interesting question. And like all the other second chakra things, communication, 
flow, desire, creativity, all of those things are based on a deep, intimate connection to our desire and our boundaries. So let's just look at the first three chakras since we're here at the second chakra. So the root chakra is at the base of the pelvis and it is concerned with safety and survival and groundedness and keeping us actually here on earth, the things that you need to keep yourself alive. And then once you're safe and alive and secure, then you can go into the second chakra and start to play with things like desire and creativity and money and exchange. And then the third chakra takes us up into the solar plexus and that's where we start to feel mastery and uh, understanding and knowledge and a little bit of wisdom comes trickling in. I don't consider you, I don't consider real wisdom until it's sort of like topped like whipped cream with the fourth chakra and love because nothing seems right if you don't have love sprinkled on top. And then I got to keep going since we're here. So fifth chakra is self-expression, that inner going to outer, inner and outer, and that free-flowing expression of everything that you've established through the other chakras. And then at the third eye, you are looking at clear seeing and accepting things as they are and having an understanding. I like to think of this as kind of like the quantum physics chakra where you're seeing through time and understanding things, not just in this moment, but how this one moment relates to the all and how your beingness is the puzzle piece that fits into the universe. And then the crown chakra is the expression of all of your chakras working together it's sort of a like it is the crown chakra it's like a crown seated on your unique individual expression of the all that is but I'm mostly concerned here with the second chakra right now because I'm looking at how my money story and my sex story are related and how that comes back to a sense and a feeling of unworthiness and here I am with this wonderful new season, just like a wonderful new lover asking me for what I want. And I don't want to just say, well, what do you have? What can you do? I actually want to bring my desire to the table and see what happens. I want to bring my creativity and say, hey, I've been thinking about this. I've been wondering and desiring and being curious about these things and I'm going to put them right on the table so that we can enjoy them together. And that's kind of a whole new way of approaching life, isn't it? Not just waiting for scraps to fall off that table. And somehow I feel like I can approach the season this way and learn something about it and see if that can filter into my life, into my sex life, into my money life, and all other ways that I experience the second chakra. I do like to take some time around the full moon to have a long bath. That's my thing. And that can be challenging for me because it's really easy for me to feel guilty about taking time for myself when I feel that pressingness of so much to be done for other people. If you ask my kids, they might say, she's always in the tub. And my close friends who also have tub time, they understand this practice. Uh, it's kind of a listening and a, a satiating of needs. When you really can soak as long as your body wants, it's a pretty special opportunity to feel satisfied deeply, truly, fully satisfied, at least for a moment. 
And for me, the way that I navigate relationships as a recovering codependent, it's so necessary that I take the time to care for myself in what can feel like a really indulgent and extravagant way. So I'm just putting that out there because I'm looking forward to my full moon Epsom salt, baking soda, rosemary, lavender bath this Wednesday afternoon, evening. Oh, maybe there will be several baths. And here we are, finally arrived at the I Ching reading, asking the questions. What is best to consider for this full moon time? Not just this full moon time, but for the next two weeks until the new moon. What will help us most make sense of this time period? And what do we need to know right now? And the hexagram that I got is return 24, changing line 1, 3, and 6, moving to 52, stilling, or the mountain. So let's hear about 24, returning. What is just beginning to germinate? How can you follow your sense of direction more closely? Where might the path lead now? Your journey leads you out and home again, through the turning points on your way. Vigor and authenticity return in the still moments of those turning points. Life regenerates from the roots and light returns. By walking constantly to and from your source, you participate in a two-way flow of creation. You go out and rediscover your own way. You return through an open door to your home and relationships. This is a living motion, like breathing, that revitalizes and restores. Relaxed and spacious, it allows time for the path's natural meanderings, never creating resistance. Since you are in motion, helpers of all kinds come traveling companions who walk alongside you for a while. If someone is meant to be with you, you will never need to leave your path to chase after them. Just as any road can be traveled in two directions, your path also leads both out and back again. And so in the fullness of time and following a natural progression, there comes a moment to turn around. Through all this going and coming and starting afresh, it's good to have an overarching direction and purpose to guide you. The quality of returning is alive, growing, and dynamic. A good time to rediscover your deepest intent and its harmony with the Tao. Love and spirit return after a difficult time. Renewal rebirth, reestablish the relationship, go back to the beginning, leave the complicated and return to the simple. Death as a return to the source, site of creative transformation, new hope, a seed figure. Those are all from Myths for Change by Stephen Karcher, Total I Ching. And I'm going to read a little more here. Return is one of the fundamental motifs in all the myths and philosophies of change. The return to and of the way and the eternal return of all things. It is the return of the spirit after the first burial and stripping away the old. It is the emergence from death and the underworld ghost river, the incessant return of life and spirit. It is the root of power and virtue, the power to become who you are meant to be. It discriminates the beings and gives birth to self-knowledge. This root is a footstep, 
one step on the way. It is starting at daybreak to cross the river to the spring festival and a renewal of spirit, joy, and human community in the paradise place. It suggests the souls that return and the rituals to call them, the ritual return to an original paradise time and death through which we all return to the source. Return is the coming and going on the river of time and the flow of symbols that unfold the way. Returning describes your situation in terms of re-emergence and rebirth. The way to deal with it is to go back to meet the returning energy in order to begin anew. Retrace your path, return to the source, re-establish what is important, restore the way, find the intensity of the earlier time and the purity of the original feeling. This is pleasing to the spirits. Through it, they will give you success, effective power, and the capacity to bring the situation to maturity. Let things emerge and come back without pressure or upset. People will suggest mutually profitable projects. It is not a mistake to join them. Turning and moving in the opposite direction from your former path will return you to the way on the seventh day. Have a place to go. Impose a direction on things. That brings profit and insight. So I want to mention that one of the things came up in the changing lines that made me think that perhaps this week would be uh, challenging. And we get the changing lines one, three, and six. And it's the sixth line that seems strange to me. Um, the other ones six above delusion returning losing the way there will be calamities and errors if you try to move the legions it will end in great destruction trap exclamation point trap the way closes for the city and its leader this will end in 10 years of uncontrolled chastisement. Trap, the way of the leader is reversed. You are returning to an old delusion blinded by self-deception and infatuation. If you go on in this way, your hard-won growth will be destroyed. It will take at least 10 years to deal with, doesn't this sound horrible? <laughs> with the repercussions of this catastrophe. The way is closed. Think about where this desire comes from. Whatever you do, don't act this out direction. Take things in, be open, and provide what is needed. All I can think about this, I, every time I've looked at it, I thought, this isn't about us personally. This feels like, doesn't it sort of feel like Trump being indicted? Something like that. It feels like a little bit bigger to me. And the hexagram moves to 52, stilling. To still yourself is to come to rest in your own right place. It's not the opposite of motion, but of being pushed into motion by outside influences. Whether you move or stop is determined inwardly by your sense of the nature of the time. Attaining this kind of stillness means firmly, even stubbornly, resisting the forces that would disrupt your equilibrium. Hold yourself still as if in meditation. Don't seek to grasp yourself by hunting down your every thought. You can no more make them stop by force of will than you can make your back still by holding it with your hands. Instead of twisting and spinning in circles trying to grasp yourself, keep still. In the same way, you can move freely in your rooms or the chambers of your mind, which can be just as crowded, and simply not see the other people there because you hold yourself still and do not resonate with them. Even if you feel as if you ought to be constantly sensitive to their presence and needs in a time of stilling, it is no mistake to exclude all these things and be quiet within yourself. Now, I love this because if there is something 
about the changing line six, if there's something that feels like maybe there's something a little funky or disruptive feeling going on in the world news this week, bringing ourselves back to finding our own equilibrium within it seems like good advice. And the key questions to remember, maybe remembering this as we go through the full moon and into the weekend, what if there were nothing you had to do now? What if there were nowhere else you had to be? Where is your inner point of balance? So I don't know what all of this means, but I can feel this sense of beginning something, feeling the emergent season and the choices that we make that are different because we're approaching a different season and the need to look inward. And the picture of return is so much about the breath, the in-breath taking us inward, deep within. And there's a pause and the exhale releasing back out into the world. And this dance of breathing in and out naturally leads us into an equilibrium and a meditative state. I have this quote written down and I don't remember where it came from. I know I was watching something and I had to write it down. We are all orphans to the music. That was the quote. We're all orphans to the music. And when I heard that quote, I have no context. I can't remember it at all. But I realized that some part of each one of us growing up as a human is to deal with that feeling of being orphaned. Some of us way more dramatically than others, but all of us are a little bit lost, a little bit orphaned. And maybe somehow in our lives, we need to find ourselves and connect to a greater something, a kind of purpose, creativity. Is it as simple as our own desire? I don't know how that part of the equation works out, but I know that we have to be the ones that find our own self and express our own desire as difficult as that may be. So maybe that's what these two weeks are for me, looking at the balance and equilibrium around what I give and what I take. I mean, it really does come back to that wheel of consent. How do I serve? How do I allow and accept? How do I take? And as we walk along this path, this journey, one of the great consolations is our friendships, isn't it? So I want to read this friendship blessing, and this comes from John O'Donohue. May you be blessed with good friends. May you learn to be a good friend to yourself. May you be able to journey to that place in your soul where there is great love, warmth, feeling, and forgiveness. May this change you. May it transfigure that which is negative, distant, or cold in you. May you be brought into the real passion, kinship, and affinity of belonging. May you treasure your friends. May you be good to them, and may you be there for them. And may they bring you all the blessings, challenges, truth, and light that you need for your journey. May you never be isolated. May you always be in the gentle nest of belonging with your Anamkara. This comes from his book, Anamkara, which is Soul Friend. Beautiful book. 
And I leave you with wishes for friendship and equilibrium and a little bit of peace and space and quiet time as you feel the fullness of the full moon in Libra. You feel the power of the wounded healer coming in and offering wisdom that some things will never heal and we are better because of that. We are stronger, we are wiser because of learning to live with those wounds. May you be well. Bye for now. I'll be back in two weeks for the new flower moon in April. Looking forward to some nice weather and finding out how these two weeks of the full moon landed for us and where we are. Enjoy your time. Bye for now. If you liked this podcast and would like to help me produce more art, writing, and creative work, please support me through Patreon. That's patreon.com slash watermoonstudios. You can also rate and review this podcast.